0: Welcome to Ask Art, a podcast brought to you by me, Senator Art Haywood, where we will cover politics, policy, social justice issues, and everything in between. Thanks for tuning in to our very first episode of Ask Art. We will be joined by Congresswoman Madeleine Dean. We will discuss details of the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. All right. Hey, everybody. This is Art. Um, This is my first podcast and it's very exciting. I can't say how pleased I am and really lucky I am to have my Congresswoman Madeline Dean as the kickoff to my podcast series. Mad, thank you so much for joining.
1: Oh, my goodness. It's an honor for me that you asked me uh, and uh, really an honor that uh, I get to be your, your first guest. On what I bet will be a very successful podcast. So thank you for doing this.
0: Thanks. I certainly hope it works out. So today, our topic is a challenging one. It is with respect to the January 6th insurrection and the response thereto. And we'd like to ask a few questions as you are a US Congress person the U.S. Congress meets in the U.S. Capitol. And that is the site of where the insurrection took place. So just wondering, were you in or near the Capitol
1: on January the 6th? Well, thank you for taking the time to look back on uh, what I can't believe is a year now, uh, January the 6th. Yes, I was there. Uh, I have to tell you, Art, uh, I was excited to be there, slightly nervous because we knew there could be some disruption I thought on the street, but I was excited to be there to be a part of what really should have been a very ministerial uh, constitutional duty, but having never uh, gone through a certification of electors for the President of the United States, you can imagine I was excited and, and uh, thrilled that I would have a chance to participate. So. I was there. We told staff to stay home. COVID had kept staff home anyway, but even the the bare bones staff I asked to stay home. And so I was at the Capitol first preparing in my office in the Cannon House office building and then over uh, in the gallery, the upstairs uh, open gallery uh, at the time of uh, the, the extraordinarily tragic insurrection.
0: So you mentioned the certification. I'm not sure everybody knows what that really is. Could you describe more about why you're in the Capitol on that day and uh,
1: what what certification? Well, this is in the constitution that it's actually an important uh, day. It is usually a day of uh, ministerial duty. So literally the vice president of the United States in parallel and tandem uh, with the speaker of the house uh, it's, it's literally the Senate is in session, the House is in session, uh, and what happens is that the, the electors from each of the states uh, from the election in November are to be certified uh, by a count, literally an opening of the box, uh, an opening of the envelopes for each state, uh, and as I said, it's usually a very ministerial but incredibly important time. So that the results of the election coming from each and every state, including our own Pennsylvania, uh, would be read out and certified uh, so that the proper electors uh, were represented to confirm the win uh, by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Uh, of course, uh, it, it should have been ministerial. And it's, it's bedrock of our democracy uh, that we have this, this hallmark of the peaceful transfer of power. Uh, And so that's what I was there to watch, sort of the magic and the ministerial nature of it, uh, recognizing what a high day it is when you have all of the Senate, all of the House, all of the leadership from both bodies, as well as our own vice president there to pass over power. Now, we knew it was going to be a conflict. We saw that certain states, including our own, uh, were going to be uh, challenged. And so I was also there with the capacity as as the other members of the Pennsylvania delegation uh, to speak to that challenge to our electors uh, and to make sure that the proper electors were seated. But I, I was there in the, in the gallery. I actually tried to go back to my office um, and I was stopped uh, early on. They, uh, a, a Capitol Police officer said, uh, ma'am, do not go back to that office building. There's been a bomb threat. Go back to wherever you were. So I went back up to the gallery, and we were practicing social distancing, of course, uh, when all hell broke loose.
0: So the gallery that you are in, which
1: gallery is that? That, that sits above uh, the floor of the house. So it is the chamber. It's, you, you know our beautiful, majestic dome. Uh, it's, it sits right above the hall of the house uh, where we do our work, where we vote from, where we speak. Uh, from rostrums and it's usually a gallery where visitors uh, could be a part of it. Uh, often very crowded you know during the State of the Union uh, with the, whether it's uh, the first lady or vice president's families or others there uh, but on this day it was a working day and so members of Congress as well as press were up in the gallery observing uh, what was going on on the floor. I was observing the first challenge, the Arizona challenge as I prepared my own, Uh, remarks for later that night.
0: So as the day sounded off a little normal, going through the votes and uh, counting the, the electoral votes that came in from across the states, what changed during the course of the day? As you say, you wanted to go back to your office, you were told no. Can you tell us a little bit about how a normal day changed
1: dramatically? For you, and and you can imagine art, and I'm calling you art. I hope people. Won't that's be fine. Offended. Yeah, everybody. Are, my art. colleague, Senator Haywood, but um, you can imagine we knew that there could be some disturbance on the street. Is what I anticipated, and that's why I said to staff, stay home. Uh, we'll work from phones, and uh, we we did that. Uh, when I came back after being turned around from going to my office, I looked outside of a darkened office up at the top. Uh, of the Capitol to look outside to see what was going on. Was there anything noticeable? And I saw some protests, some uh, placards. Uh, uh, sadly, I was looking out the wrong side of the Capitol. It turns out that is not the side that was attacked. So I, you you have to imagine from inside, we didn't know the magnitude of what was about to strike. And so as I went back in and I was standing uh, sort of arm in arm and Just, I thought it was so shameful the the false arguments that we were suffering uh, from down on the floor from some representatives. The first thing that changed uh, was we got a a series of announcements. The first announcement was please sit down. Now, normally we walk around the floor, we walk around the gallery, you don't have to sit. Uh, And in fact, we don't have assigned seats. Uh, Then it was please prepare to kneel down or lie down. Uh, And I thought, what in God's name does that mean? So I took myself to the front wall of the gallery thinking maybe that's going to be a shield if there's some problem on the floor of the house. And then we were told, please take out the gas masks underneath your seats. Art, I have to tell you, I didn't know there were gas masks underneath our seats. Uh, It was just a terrifying series of announcements of warnings uh, for what was to come.
0: So you get the warnings. This is all unbelievable to uh, just to hear, let alone uh, I assume to, at what point did there, was there a level of um, disruption where you knew there was a
1: break-in? We we all were in the gallery trying to uh, uh, tamp down, you know, get below the wall because from the floor, if anybody were to, to have a weapon, we would be like ducks in a shooting gallery. Mm. So we were all getting, crouching down, getting behind the wall. Uh, Mm. Then they told us, take your gas mask out. We're helping one another take gas masks out. Uh, And then they said, put your gas masks on. There has been an infiltration of the rotunda and tear gas uh, and other chemicals have been deployed. Put on your gas masks and await further instruction. Uh, so with that, and again, I had no idea the, the extent of what was happening. I thought mentally, I thought maybe, okay, some small group of people have broken in. Uh, but surely uh, this, this room, this hallowed space is going to be safe. Uh, and then what was most memorable to me uh, was as we were putting gas masks on, We could hear pounding on those beautiful Mm -hmm. ceremonial doors, you know, the doors that open uh, when they say, you know, for the um, uh, State of the Union, the the President of the United States. There was pounding and then a shattering of the glass of those doors. Uh, And I thought, oh, my gosh, they've pierced the chamber of the Capitol. Again, Mm. no idea how many uh, and, and what it was really all about. And with that art, you can imagine I was calling my staff, I was calling my sons and my husband. I Hmm. worry that I terrified them, um, but uh, we just awaited instruction and they finally raced us out of that gallery, uh, across the chamber, uh, and downstairs, first to a very unsafe space, and then to a safe room where we were held for hours uh, with no TV, no benefit of what was really happening uh, except communication with our, our families and what they were seeing on television. Just horrible, terrifying.
0: It's unbelievable that you'd have to run in the Capitol for safety as a member of Congress or even as a guest, I mean, it's uh,
1: unbelievable. A guest, a staffer, uh, as we were racing We kept telling one another, take your pins off, you know, uh, uh, take your pins off. We don't want people to identify you who's ever in here. Uh, We Mm -hmm. don't want them to identify electeds uh, because they're not going to give a hoot, uh, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. They were out to get people. And it was an absolutely uh, enduring trauma like that, Art. My mind goes to, it surely can't be as bad as this appears. And of Mm. course, it was much worse. I just, I thought this has to be a small group of people. They will put this this riot down rapidly, uh, having no idea the extent of the damage, the number of people, the willingness to pursue for hours a medieval type assault on the Capitol Police. I can't say enough about the Capitol Police and uh, their extraordinary uh, gift to us that day. Um, The gift of life, they saved our lives. Mm. So
0: um, that's uh, unbelievable. So you're in the room for hours. Um, I guess at at some points you were released when you were released from the room where you were being held for protection, where
1: did you go? What what happened after that? Well, it was hours. And um, one memory I have, one, two very standout memories, but one I have was we were waiting word on what was going on. No TVs in this massive hearing room. Hmm. Then I r- remembered where I was And I knew of a little ante room uh, behind it where I was able to go and there was a little crowd of people watching television coverage. That's when I actually grasped how massive the strike was uh, and how horrific and and damaging and desecrating and uh, life-taking it was. Um, But they kept us there for hours. And the best part of being in that room was a moment relatively early on when the chair of our caucus, Hakeem Jeffries, stood parallel to the chair of the Republican caucus, Liz Cheney, at microphones when we did not know what was going on. And they said, we will return to the floor of the House and complete our constitutional duty. And that was a highlight. It was such a relief. Uh, I think to a person we thought, we will not be stopped by an insurrection. We have a constitutional duty to certify an election, to uphold the rule of law. And so that was the highlight. When I left the safe room, uh, I wound up uh, finding our friend, Mary Gay Scanlon. Uh, Susan Wild was with me. Uh, Chrissy Houlihan was, uh, I think in her office. Mary Gay uh, was barricaded in her office in Longworth, by Mm. barricaded, I mean, furniture moved up against doors and windows, and she was basically self-trapped for the hours that we were trapped. Mm. So when they released us, I called Mary Gay and said, I'm coming your way uh, until we have to go back to the floor. And so we all wound up convening in Mary Gay's office, the the so-called Fab Four convened there just in shock uh as we prepared to make our way back to the floor uh late 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 in the night
0: unbelievable so it sounds like you didn't have any food during this process it's not like there was a any no, kind I of movement you know, no i
1: don't tough. remember any food no. no water we had water
0: uh, yeah yeah So at what point then do you all go back to the chamber to do the voting? I mean, how does that all happen?
1: Well, um, you know, it was ordered state by state. And so alphabetically. And so the insurrection was multiple, multiple hours. Uh, And uh, we then, were we already thought Uh, The Pennsylvania challenge would be heard late at night. I forget now when it was, but it was, I believe, after midnight. And the Mm -hmm. final certification was not uh, until, I think, 3.20 in the morning. Uh, So it was late at night. I prepared my remarks. The other members prepared theirs. And we went to the floor at that moment and made the argument for the Pennsylvania certification against the hollow false arguments that were made not to certify, that were made uh, to, to say, let's have an alternate slate of electors to undo the vote of the people of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. It was absolutely shocking because if they had succeeded, if they challenged the person at the top of the ticket, they were challenging their own wins as well. Which I never understood how they could make that argument. Did they think that they had been fraudulently elected? Uh of course they didn't. Of course they did. It was all one ballot, as you well know.
0: That's <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. It's not uh not just the president on the ballot. It's uh all the way down to the state house. Yeah, it's uh unbelievable. So 320 a.m. or so is when you all are voting.
1: It was, I I was proud of our leadership. Uh, I remember Speaker Pelosi coming into this safe room with the rest of the leadership team, Whip Clyburn, Steny Hoyer. uh, And they were determined to come back to the cap. They were taken away to somewhere. I don't even know where they were taken, Uh, but they were determined to come back to the Capitol for the same purpose. I remember them coming in the room and saying, we will do our electoral duty. And um, I, I was very proud of all of us um, to to make sure we weren't stopped by the madness of a of a tidal wave of lies um, that sadly uh, really misled uh, a tremendous number of people to the point of violence, to the point of desecration, uh, to the point of um, uh, battering and ramming police officers with. Uh, the American flag. It, it, it was to me just a horrifying view using our American flag mm. or the, fl- the flag uh, of uh, Mr. Trump to beat Capitol police and to ransack offices and to chant, Hang Mike Pence, with a noose erected outside. Mm. It's. Uh, you can imagine art, it is still uh, unreal to me.
0: Yes, I mean, it's, it's almost impossible for me to comprehend. Yes. Um, so you did share, I think, one of you know your most vivid memories, it took a lot of courage to say we will vote today, but then it took a lot of courage to say, I will vote today. Um, It's one thing for a leader to call out what should be done. It's quite another for folks to follow that. And so for you and Mary Gay and Susan, all the congressional uh, delegations to say we're in and to do it as late as 3 a.m. Or as it sounds like it was whatever it takes. It was 3 a.m., 4 a.m. or whatever a.m. Yeah. Uh, That's the way I'm, I
1: felt. Whatever AM, I, I don't care. I don't care. We 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 cannot be stopped by madness and by lies. It's the the power, the extraordinary power of lies and misinformation, um, overwhelming.
0: Yeah. So now the next day, then, uh, is kind of the same day, I guess, when it's three AM. So now. On the, uh, but later that day, like, uh, what happened? How did you make it home? Even, I mean, what what was it like for
1: the next day or so? I I have to admit, a bunch of it is a fog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was in disbelief. Uh, of course, my family was so worried. My my constituents. You, you know, people yeah. texted me, checked on me. Thank you for worrying about me. Um, it was a bit of a fog uh, and, and being sure that we were doing what needed to be done. Um, uh, but, you know, I just remember falling into bed very, very early in the morning, um, hoping I could sleep, not knowing if I could
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, uh, regrouping with my team by phone Um Just to try to assure everybody that we're as safe as we can be, but uh, I wanted staff to have to be nowhere in sight. And then, of course, uh, with the layering of COVID, uh, we were in this safe room for hours together. Mm. Uh, So, this is pre vaccine, uh, and it, it was a lot of people weren't wearing masks, or some people weren't wearing masks. And so one one two three uh, members were beginning to test positive. So I remember my my then chief of staff said, "Mad, you have to get a COVID test in the days following the insurrection," um, which I did, and I fortunately did not uh, have COVID. Yeah. Uh, but there was just this blur of, "Oh my God, how how in God's name did that happen to us?" Uh, and what do we do to make sure we never? come anywhere near something like that again
0: I gotta tell you yeah they know that uh, the fog that you described uh, can come somewhat from a certain level of trauma where we try to manage all that uh, the brain and the body has received and yeah. it is a way to manage that kind of um, treatment no that's yeah. uh that's that's unbelievable now as we are looking to do a commemoration, uh, a combination of those first responders, the Capitol Police, who who stood, defended li- your life, defended the lives of, as you say, the Vice President and all the members, and it ultimately did vote to declare the winner. But also recognizing the first responders, who, you know, they lost some of them lost their lives. Yes, and, and um, five. So it's very, very sad and. As you think about American history, what would you like your grandchildren to know about January the 6th?
1: Well, um, and you might hear the rumblings of my grandchildren <laughs> in this podcast. I hope you don't mind. It's happy sound for me, uh, but I'm here with uh, um, four of my, my four grandchildren. I want them to know about January the 6th. I want to make sure that they know the history of the day, that what led up to it, what series of things led up to it, because it wasn't a single spark that created that kind of violence, that created literally an insurrection, an attack by Americans on our own seat of government. Uh, And so I want them to remember it. And we're, we're doing the same thing in D.C., trying to plan for what is an appropriate remembrance, not a political one, but a, ref, a remembrance, a, 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 a solemn thank you to those who served, uh, uh, who are traumatized still, injured still, some deceased, as you mentioned, um, to the staff who served, who had to clean up that mess. I, I wanna lift up those stories. Uh, who felt a duty. They didn't say, I'm not coming in to clean up a mess of not of my own making. And I, I feel like that's partly my job too, and, and those of us in Congress and American citizens. We have an obligation to clean up the mess, uh, even if it wasn't of our making. Uh, so, what I do want people to reflect is that democracy is a precious thing, it's a fragile thing. I think I've, I've been around for six decades. I think I maybe took democracy for granted prior to the last couple of years. I thought it was firm and, and nearly permanent, but it no, it isn't, it's in our hands. Uh, and we will either protect it, and lift it, uh, and make sure that the kids, my grandchildren, uh, your children and grandchildren uh, and their children will have this precious constitution uh, to guide them to a better tomorrow or they will not. Um, So I I hope any remembrance is a reflection of uh, those who did such good, uh, a recommitment uh, to our democracy uh, and a remembrance so that we never, ever suffer this again. Uh, We're working with historians, John Meacham and others, uh, and, and they remind us or teach us this was the greatest attack on our capital ever, greatest attack. Uh, Ever. And so um, I want my kids and grandchildren to know democracy is fragile and it's up to every citizen to make sure that we are active, that we value it, that we hold it up uh, and uh, that we vote. I know that's something that you've worked on your entire Mm -hmm. life, a passion around voting and voting rights, because this was a free and fair election with tremendous participation. Uh, and uh, just because somebody lost and was unwilling to accept that loss should not turn away the votes of millions of Americans and should not doom the future of our democracy. I want my kids to remember and know that uh, we have it within our hands. We have the power. This democracy is ours. It's not owned by sitting members of Congress. It's not owned by sitting members of the legislature. It's ours. It's all of ours. Uh, and it's also our responsibility to clean it up, lift it up.
0: Thank you so much. And uh, it's in our hands. I really uh, I really want to thank you for the, your courage. One of the things that people, I think, really don't appreciate with those who were in the January 6th insurrection is the threat to their personal safety, the immediate threat such as you described, that you had to run, yeah, and that's um, that takes that's that's threatening, yeah. and to have the courage to to get through it, and then the commitment to vote, no matter what the hour. Can't thank you enough, and for all who have spent some time on this podcast, the lesson that is in our hands and that this democracy is fragile. You heard to some extent how fragile it is and that it is in our hands. Matt, the last thing I wanted to share with you, I was talking to a candidate who was thinking about running for a statewide election. And he was saying that he was getting a lot of calls that he might not win. You know, Some people were not gonna back him because they didn't think he could win. And I tell you what I share with him. In every election, someone loses. So it's, there, it's not like there's a guarantee for anyone. That's right. And some people lose by a few votes, still lose. Some people lose by a lot of votes, still lose. So the risk of losing is for every candidate, but it's taking the risk of running. Being willing to serve, putting your vision out to everyday people. And then, hopefully, if you win, having the courage of someone like you to fight, to go down fighting if necessary. Thank you so much. This has been a tremendous start of my podcast series, but more importantly, a tremendous conversation with you.
1: Uh, I I, I don't want to hold myself up as somebody of courage. I just happen to be in the moment and have very strong feelings about what our duty is. And so uh, your your advice to that candidate, I hope whoever it is uh, thinks long and hard and, and recognizes there's uh, extraordinary uh, power in taking that risk. Uh, win or lose. Uh, so thanks thanks for always uh, serving with that kind of honor and distinction art.
0: Thank you so much. So this is the end of the first podcast. I hope it was successful. If not, blame Mad, not me. I'm joking. it. <laughs> <laughs> nah,
1: I'll take it.
0: <laughs> nah, thanks so much, and uh, I hope to see you soon, Mad.
1: Thank you. Best All to right. you and your take family. All
0: right, thanks. Thanks for joining this episode of Ask Art. And please stay tuned for our next episode. As always, you can find everything at SenatorHaywood.com. Thank you.